Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday morning message. So I want to read 2 Corinthians 3 this morning, and I just want to speak a little bit about that. Some of you might have heard the word on Sunday where I spoke of light and dwelling in the light and walking in the light. So, um, I, hello Ma, hello Janine, hello Dini. So, um, so I want to just, in the context of the light and walking in the light, I just want to read Second Corinthians chapter 3. Hello Saraki, uh, good morning everyone. So, Second Corinthians chapter 3, uh, I'm going to start reading. In verse 5, it says, Not that we are fit and qualified of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. So the first thing is, this is not of, from us. So no one has copyright on whatever revelation they have out of the word. <laughs> okay, It's not you that's so clever that got whatever doctrine out of the word. Um, it is... The Spirit of God that wants to speak, and we are just very glad that He's speaking uh, to us and through us. Like I said, not that we are fit of ourselves to form personal judgment to claim anything as coming from us, but our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. Like I said, there's power, ability, and efficiency. So um, if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, uh, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then in verse 4 he says, So my message will not set forth in persuasive, enticing, plausible, human ideas, wisdom. But they were in a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. So if the message is not from us, but from God, the message has more power than uh, than meets the mind of man. Lenaisis, oh, Larissa just sent her that scripture. Okay, so so um, where was I? Uh, my message. We're in the demonstration of power. The words. We're in the demonstration of power. So 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, the kingdom is, is not in talk, but in power. So the word must have power. <clears throat> when we hear the word, something needs to happen. Like I said, the, the word is already anointed. There's already power in the word to save. So what do we do with the word? Do we hear the word and believe it and receive it in our hearts? And let the power of the word do something in our hearts. He says in First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians First Corinthians 2 verse 4, Amplified, it says, My words when the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, stirring in the minds of my hearers uh, most holy emotions, and thus persuading this. For the word has ability in itself. The spirit and the word together, not intellectual. Um, it's good, intellectual, great, whatever, it's good. But if it's only intellectual and no spirit, then it has no benefit. So John 6 verse 63 says the flesh has no benefit. It doesn't say the flesh has some benefit. It doesn't say the flesh has little benefit. It says it has no benefit. So what my opinion is and what your opinion is, 
doesn't matter. What's the Spirit saying? That is what matters. Okay, so it is He who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a New Testament through Christ. That word is not covenant, but testament. King James also translates it testament. Uh, of salvation through Christ, not, not ministers of the letter of legally written code, but of the Spirit. So right from the beginning of the chapter, he distinguishes between letter and spirit, between flesh and spirit, between the mind of man and the mind of God. Okay, between something, one type of word and another type of word. Okay, so we'll get to it. It's for the code of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes alive. So when are we going to get this? The code of the law kills. So if we, uh, we, we are, we're all about grace until someone does something that we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> then we either want to control them, or we want to, you know, pour some law on them to try and get them right. Listen, the only thing that can change your life is the Spirit of God. So we need to receive when we hear the Word. We don't receive in order to understand the doctrine. We hear to hear what the Spirit is saying. And when we hear what the Spirit is saying, something happens and we are changed. So by grace, a human being can speak a word and the Spirit of God is upon it, and it can change your life. So when we receive a word as from the Lord, as from the Spirit, and we hear it, and we receive it with our hearts, the word is near you, your heart on your lips, okay? Romans chapter 10 also says, with the heart a person believes. The receiver of the Spirit word is not your intellect. The receiver of the Spirit word is your heart. The heart... From there, the Spirit of God will speak to your intellect. Your intellect does have a role to play, but your intellect is not supposed to be in control. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be in control. So if the Holy Spirit is in control, we can speak a word of grace to someone. Even though, uh, you know, we might want to urge them to change this or that. The Spirit is going to change people. The Spirit is going to change us. Not us telling someone how they must be. The Spirit is, I'm going to say it again. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit, not the letter. So if we are going to minister the letter and say to people, listen, you will be better if, boom, 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 boom. You change this, change this, change this, change this. It's not going to be sustainable. It might work for a while if it's only dependent on them willing themselves to be different than they are. What's going to change? If the Spirit is ministered, this is what God is saying. And if the Spirit that is being ministered is actually received. So it's from both sides. The Spirit needs to be ministered, but the Spirit needs to be received with the heart. So if we receive the gospel with a heart, something on the inside starts changing. And that, out of that flows a different life. 
All right. So he says, it is he who has qualified us. How did he qualify us? By his blood. Okay. Making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers of the New Testament. Not of the, of the uh, legally written code, but of the Spirit. For the code of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes life. Therefore, the only legitimate ministry is the ministry of the Spirit. Verse 7. Now, if the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone. So now he's expanding on the distinction. The distinction is between letter and spirit. And the letter is the code of the law. He says, if the dispensation of death, you can see the dispensationalism doctrine coming through here in the amplifier. <laughs> if the ministration of death, says the, says the King James, engraved in letters on stone, the ministration of the law was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance, a glory that was to fade and pass away. Why should not the dispensation of the ministration of the Spirit, brackets, this spiritual ministry whose task it is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit, So the spiritual ministry has this focus, to cause people to receive the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. Okay? Why should not the ministry or the ministration of the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with much greater and more splendid glory? So now the Old Covenant and the New Testament is compared. And it, the, the distinction was letter and spirit. So now it says the first one came with visible glory that people could see and it was too bright to look at. Okay? They were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. But now it says the new the spiritual ministry that causes people not to die, but to receive the Spirit and be governed by the Spirit, must necessarily have greater glory than the glory that was visible on Moses. Okay? Verse 9, For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom, some churches took that literally and they started Spraying doom in the faces of people. <laughs> that is a ministration. Yeah, but that's just, you know, it's not even worth being mentioned. Okay. That's, they should just go to prison. Okay. If this service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more. Do you know what infinite is? So you can't even compare it. So it's like, it's, there's no limits. So it's eternal. It's, it's infinite. There's it's, it's no way to fathom it. So it's like comparing God himself to Moses, who was a man, who had a limited glimpse of glory. So it's like comparing a spark to the sun. 
okay? Or a candle, which is more than a spark, actually, to the sun shining at its full brightness at midday. If the service that condemns had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. The ministry that produces fastest righteous living right standing with God. So the, it's the ministry that makes you righteous. So uh, he who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. He just made us righteous. We were not righteous. We were sinful. So he became our sin and he made us righteous. Something he did. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor had past tense. Therefore, it has no splendor. It had splendor, but it has no splendor. The glory of the law in the face of Moses has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels at the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, so comparison expanded. You've got the letter, which is the law, which kills, which had glory, but the glory is no more. The glory was a fading glory that was intended to pass away. And you've got Moses, the face of Moses. On the other side, you've got the spirit, You've got a ministry that makes righteous and not kills you. You've got a glory that is exceeding, infinitely abounding. And you've got the face of Jesus. So what is in, in actual fact comparing is, what did Moses bring? What did Jesus bring? Okay? So now it's talking about the two manifestations of glory. The one glory is the glimpse that Moses had, which passed away. The other is that which just emanates from Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 says he is the outraying or the radiance of the divine. So if you look at Revelation chapter 1, his sun is shining. You can't even look at him. Uh, his son, his face, he's shining. You can't, you can't even look at him. Okay? He is the glory of God. Okay. Is the express image. All right. So now we've got Jesus compared to Moses. Verse 11. For if that which was but passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor so the one was to fade and pass away and the other one abides the other one stays forever since we have such glorious hope such joyful confident expectation we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly so the fearlessness based on and a hope of glory Christ in us, the hope of glory. Mystery which was kept hidden throughout ages and generations, now revealed to the saints. 
What is the mystery that is revealed? Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the glory, and he will manifest in you. Verse 13, nor do we act like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. So there was a veil. So first glory, Moses brings death. It's not a, a permanent thing, but a, a temporary thing which was intended to fade away. He put a veil to hide the glory. So the mystery was hidden. The glory was hidden. But the glory faded, which means they didn't realize that the law could not reveal the mystery. So in fact, what the law did, we'll read it now in verse 15, was to actually hide everything of the glory even further. Okay? So the law is a veiled glory that had faded. There's no glory at all. So all there is is a veil, and beyond the veil there's darkness. Because the glory faded out. No more glory there. A temporary ministration, Galatians chapter 3 says it was intended to be in effect until the seed should come. Did the seed come? Yes, Jesus came. So the Jews keeps on waiting for the Messiah to come, which means they are in darkness. Beyond the veil, they do not see. The Jews are obviously God's beloved. And God loves them as he loves the Germans and the Zulus. Loves the whole world. So, but for us to have any fellowship with his glory, we need to receive his son. Because his son is the express image. The son is the outraying or the radiance of the divine. The son is where you will find the glory. Not Moses. Moses is not the source of God's glory. Moses is not the revelation of the Father. Moses is not the light of the world. Jesus is literally the light of the world. <laughs> How many scriptures did we touch on on Sunday? Um, Jesus is the light of the world. And because now we step into this ministration of glory, because we receive the gospel, the, the glory is hidden only to those who are perishing, but to us it is unveiled and revealed. So we are enlightened in our hearts so that we can see the mysteries. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. So we need to really look so that the eyes of our understanding can be enlightened. We need to look to where the glory shines from now. Because if we look to where the glory did shine thousands of years ago in the face of Moses, we will not find it. They could not find it after he veiled it. They did not realize it faded out because it was beyond the veil. So if you take the miracles of the old, Moses led them out of Egypt, out of bondage, through the water of baptism. 
through the Red Sea. They were baptized into Moses, says 1 Corinthians 10. So they went into the desert. So the law was given at Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. So there was a fire that is a glory. Moses came down the mountain, his face shone. The law was given. So they followed Moses to the promised land. They got to, to the promised land. But they disbelieved. They could not believe God, what God said. So they went 40 years, 40 years in the desert around the mountain. 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. They all died. Until those who believed took the rest into the promise. Okay? So there was miracles and signs and wonders. Okay? Not that much during the time in the desert, but there was manifestations of glory. They had the pillar of fire. They had the cloud by day. Their shoes never wore out. The clothes never wore out. They had manna and quails. They had water from the rock. It's manifestations of glory. Okay? They went through the Jordan River. Now with Joshua. Went through the Jordan River into the promised land. Man, all those nations were defeated before them and they didn't even do anything. I mean, walking around the city doesn't make a city's walls crumble. But it did for them. Why? Glory. The glory of God was with them. Okay? So... All his nations were dispersed and, and they lived in their houses and they lived in their, they, they took their, their country by the glory of God. Okay? So, but as the time went on, the miracles got less and less and less. And about 400 years, for the last 400 years, there's just nothing. Okay? They were in Babylonian captivity, just no glory. So the temple was broken down. There was nothing. So they came to rebuild the temple, but it wasn't the same as God said to Moses. They put the veil there, but there was nothing behind the veil. They put the Ark of the Covenant there, but it wasn't the Ark that God described to Moses. The wings were broken off, and it was only the Ten Commandments inside. No pot of manna, no rod of Aaron that budded. Nothing as God said it. So there was no glory behind the veil. They were they had a temple. And they came back from Babylonian captivity and they started building synagogues everywhere because people didn't want to travel all the way to the temple. An idea that they got in Babylon. So from then, Jerusalem was Babylon. Okay, I'm not going to go into it in in, in Revelation. Jerusalem is Babylon. Okay, so, but... They brought back all the customs from Babylon. And they emulated Babylon. They wanted to be like Babylon. All right. No glory. So the glory faded and faded. Nothing. Until they had an empty temple with a veil. No glory. The whole thing was full of gold. So it was natural glory. No spiritual glory. And then John the Baptist came. So repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Here comes Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? So, John the Baptist is baptizing people. He says, hey, look, there's the Lamb of God. And he baptized him, Matthew 3. And the glory of God came down. 
there's the Spirit of God coming down, the spiritual ministry coming on Jesus when he was baptized. And coming in the form of a dove and a lighting glory coming down from heaven. Matthew chapter 3. So the last week of the 70 weeks of Daniel start at the moment Jesus was baptized and he set his foot on, on the ground out of the river. The last, seven, the last week started of the 70 weeks for those who are interested. Okay. So it was the ministry of the Spirit from the baptism of Jesus. So what happened? Signs, wonders, miracles. And it increased and increased. And he healed all who were there. And he healed all who were there. Thousands, years, thousands. And he healed all of them. And he healed all. And he multiplied the bread. And he made water wine. And he, he did all those things. When he made the water wine, you can check it out in John. John chapter 2. And he showed his glory. So the miracles testify of the glory. So there's a glory in the face of Jesus. So uh, he had to he had to kind of keep it under wraps because he couldn't walk there shining in his full glory. Because if they had recognized him, says first Corinthians two verse eight, if the rulers of this world had recognized who he was, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. And he had to be crucified. But here, there he is, the Lord of glory, coming in the guise of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. And they just looked at him and said, can any good thing come? Okay, well, there's a believer that said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Um, I think it was Nathaniel. And they said, come and look. And he saw and he was, you know, he, was, he believed. But they looked at him as like from Nazareth. Isn't this Jesus whose father and mother we know? In, we mean, man, that's a carpenter's son. You know, is it no sector or what? You know? So he said, the prophet is not without honor apart from in his own country. So the glory needs to be recognized. So he was, he was the light of the world. So John the Baptist came and he testified regarding the light. If you read John chapter 1. He came to show, there's the light. So there he was, the light of the world. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as did receive him, gave he power to become sons of God, as many as believed on his name. Okay? Rebirth. We owe the birth not to bloods, natural birth, but to the spirit. They are born from above. And First uh, Peter Chapter 1 says, born from the word. All right, so there's a, there's a glory that is ever increasing and abiding, revealed through the face of Jesus. And we need to see that. And we need to stop looking at the face of Moses and start looking at the face of Jesus. So he says, <clears throat> verse 14, In fact, their minds were grown hard and callous, they had become dull and lost the power of understanding. Why? He says, for until this present day, 
when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is being read, that same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. So Jesus became that veil. He became the separation between man and glory. He became the veil. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. He opened up a fresh new living way. By the power of the blood, through the separating curtain, that is, through his flesh. So he became that veil and he was torn apart so that the glory of God might cover the earth. And the knowledge of the glory of God might cover the earth like the water covers the sea. So that we could have access. So that the glory of God could once again be on the earth. Without limits, with, you know, without a time limit, ever increasing. And that's the kingdom of God. Remember the vision that Daniel saw of the uh, statue? All the different king kingdoms. And here comes the rock cut out from the mountain, not with hands. And it rolled down the mountain and it smashed the rock to pieces to find dust. And the wind carried it away. And the rock grew and grew and grew and grew and filled the whole earth. On this rock I will build my church. Okay? So the, there's the kingdom, the glory of God, ever increasing. Okay. Verse 15. Yes, down to this very day. When Moses is read, a veil lies on their minds and hearts. So, just to get back to Romans 10. How do you believe? With your heart. So if you read Moses... You make it impossible to believe because the veil lies on your heart. So your heart is separated from the word of glory. Okay? So if you go back to Colossians chapter 1, where, the, where I spoke about, I quoted it earlier. Um, just listen to this, this connection with the word. Verse 25 says, I became a minister in accordance with the divine stewardship that was entrusted to me for you as an object for your benefit to make the word of God fully known among you. So the word had to be revealed, to be made fully known. We know that word of God is Jesus Christ and the word is spirit and life. The mystery which was hidden for ages and generations from angels and men, but is now revealed to his saints. To whom God was pleased to make known how grateful the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of glory. Okay? Him we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing everyone, that we may present every person mature, full grown, fully initiated, complete, perfect in Christ. Okay? So how are you going to be perfect in Christ? You need the word to reveal the glory. Okay? To reveal that Christ is inside you and that you have a hope of glory. Okay. So, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. But now, verse 16. But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. So, that means when you hear and believe the gospel... What does the gospel preach? The crucified Christ. What is Christ's body crucified? What does it mean? The veil was rent. Hebrews 10 verse 20, his body became the veil. So if, if we look at the cross, we 
the veil is rent and we see the glory. Do you see there? So if we turn in repentance through the cross to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. The stripped off veil or the torn veil is the cross, the body of Christ. Now he says, now the Lord is the spirit. So that means the spirit can only come through the message of the cross. Okay? Galatians chapter 3, did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the works of the law? Or was it by hearing a message and believing it? So what was the message? Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, you stupid Galatians, uh, who bewitched you? Unto whom before your very eyes Jesus was openly and graphically portrayed as crucified. So he stood there, he tore the veil before them and showed them the glory. He preached Christ and brought them the spirit. He said, why then are you now looking back to the face of Moses to try and get the glory? It's a deception. There's no glory anymore. The glory departed. You who work powerfully and miraculously, does the, the, the spirit who works powerfully and miraculously, does it do so because of Moses or because of Jesus? Not because of Moses. <laughs> Moses is the greatest stumbling block in the world today. Because the deception is that the law is good. Is the law good? For sure the law is good. But don't you think the spirit is better? Don't you think the Spirit has already fulfilled everything that the law predicted? So now that the Spirit is revealed in the face of Jesus, it's a fallacy to look in the face of Moses. It's to trample the blood over the dead body of Jesus to go back to the rituals. Okay. Whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the crucified Christ, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. So we need to understand that in the new, the Spirit means authority. So we need to surrender and submit to the Spirit. Because He is Lord. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is in the Spirit. We must be submitted to the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is is liberty now we did speak about liberty and freedom last week so you can if you didn't see that i advise you to to watch those messages okay emancipation from bondage freedom so it's freedom from the sin freedom from the law and it's freedom to enter in nothing can keep you out of the holy of holies it's freedom to enter in and it's to be born again and to be Made free, so you're chained to his freedom, bound to his freedom, bond servants of Christ. Verse 18 All of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror or a glass, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to just jump to the King James here. He says, but we all with open face, no veil, okay? Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, the Lord, the Spirit, 
Where do you behold it? In the face of Jesus. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So now, we've got these two columns. The glory of Moses and the glory of Jesus. The glory of Moses faded out. The glory of Jesus is to abide and is ever increasing. The glory of the Lord, of the law, gone. It's expired. And the glory of the New Testament, the glory of Jesus, is forever here and it will forever increase. So you are transformed from the old to the new, from darkness into his marvelous light, from the dominion of darkness, Colossians 1, to the kingdom of the Son of his love. All right? So it's not from glory, glory to glory to glory, you know, those songs. I don't think it's wrong to say we could, we're going to walk in manifestations, levels of manifestations of glory. That's good because the glory will forever increase. It's fine. But it's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying is, what this scripture is saying is, we look to Jesus. We look to the cross. We see the glory shining through from the Spirit. We receive the spiritual ministry with our heart which is now unveiled. And because with our heart we behold the word, we see in the glass of the word a reflection. Or we see an image. So if you look at the glass, you can see the surface reflection, you can see yourself. Or you can look through the glass and you can see what's behind it. So you can look by the spirit what is behind the veil. Because now the glass is now opened up. You can see through it. So the veil is torn. You can see into. So what do you see? You see into the word. Who is the spirit and life? Who is Christ Jesus? John 1. Okay? You look into the word. And you see the glory. To make the word fully known among you. Colossians 1.25. The mystery which was kept hidden but it's now revealed to the saints, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So two glories mentioned, from glory to glory. Darkness, bondage, Moses, death to the light, the blood, the spirit, and eternal life. That's the two glories. So we are transformed into the latter. Okay. Just want to mention this. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God. So it's like a beam bringing that knowledge. Like a laser. Okay. As is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. However, we, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel. Do you see? The glory is the divine light of the gospel. So you can't separate the glory of God from the light who is Christ. 
We possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. (laughs) So, Moses will let you look at yourself. Surface reflection of the glass. You see, you have no revelation. Okay? And when you see yourself, you see your mistakes. So, we possess this treasure by God's wisdom in a human body, frail human flesh, a broken pot of clay. The glory must be made, you can also read it in Second Corinthians chapter 4, speaking in context of the persecutions and things, he says, so that the, the life, the immortal life, must be made manifest in mortal flesh. Okay, so the pot must manifest the glory so that people can see, hey, this is from God, it's not of people. This is not this guy's own piety. This is not this guy's own, um, you know, religious service. This is something deeper. There's a glory shining here that can only be from God. All right? So, um, Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John went to heal this, it's the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. They said, why do you ask, why do you look unto us as if by our own piety? This man is made whole. This is made be known to you that through Jesus, in the name of Jesus, he is alive and well before you now. Okay? So, do you see? There's the glory shining through just normal human beings. All right. Hope it blessed you. So, uh, who didn't I greet? Say hello, Afzal, and hello, Marietta, and hello, Rob, and... Uh, Phyllis Brandt, and there's Rob again. (laughs) Bless you, Rob. It's good to see you there. So may you just all experience more of God's glory. May you look, and when you read the word, just look with the eyes of your heart that's enlightened. (laughs) Look for revelation of the word which beams forth the knowledge of the glory into your heart so that you can experience more. All right. So be blessed. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. And enjoy your day. Amen.